you tonight in Matthew in chapter number 16. Matthew chapter number 16. <clears throat> Very familiar to, to most of us here this evening. I do need your prayers. I've got a throat issue going on. And I am thankful for your prayers uh, Wednesday night as we continued the meeting down in Lodge. And appreciate what the Lord did there. Had some folks saved and a family surrendered to go uh, in full-time service to, in, in another state. And when, I mean, you tell everybody loved them, and when they left, I was like, y'all don't blame me now. I just preached. And, and uh, God had dealt with their heart, and I appreciate that. And then I, I do want us to, to continue to pray for Sister Lucy Glass. Uh, we had an opportunity yesterday, of course, went to Brother Glass's funeral, and Brother John's and Brother R.V. Stanley did an outstanding job preaching. And uh, let's pray for the Glass family, that God would minister to them. And uh, Brother J.E., <clears throat> I remember hearing him tell many times about when he got home uh, from the war and uh, his, his mother, his mother uh, came to the door. They looked out and saw J.E. and I think his sister may have been, actually may have been Miss Brown. Uh, of course, she wasn't Miss Brown at the time, but she said, uh, J.E.'s home. And about that time, uh, Brother Glass's mother let out, Woo! And so uh, they're together again, amen. And uh, so aren't you glad that we have uh, hope in Christ and expectancy, uh, whether by cloud or by cloud. I'm glad there is a better place to go. And uh, we've planted a lot of folk here, but we'll see them again if we're saved by the grace of God. Matthew chapter number 16, begin reading in verse number 13. Here Jesus declares Peter, is a foundation stone. Man, there's so many things I could preach out of this uh, text about how that uh, the Lord gives this to Peter and kind of gives a foreshadowing of how that God is going to use him in a great and mighty way. Of course, uh, I guess the spokesperson of the um, apostles, at least the starting of this small group uh, that began to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of preaching material here and many lessons we can glean from, but I want to focus in on one thing tonight out of Matthew 16 and verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem. And that really wasn't a big deal. But then he said, and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me. For thou savest not the things that be of God, but those 
that be of men. Then said Jesus and his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will lose his life, uh, who shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Now I want to preach a little bit tonight out of one thing that we can learn from this text that any of us, no matter how spiritual that we think that we are, how much God is using us or wants to use us, any of us have the possibility of being a stumbling block. And so you see here, we kind of go from one extreme to the other with the apostle Peter. He just said that Jesus is the Christ. He is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. Uh, and then he has the audacity and the boldness to correct the Lord. Sometimes I've been corrected and it kind of, you know, it. we don't like getting corrected, I don't guess. And I have been corrected. And uh, it kind of hurts your feelings, you know, when you are corrected, when you get kind of straightened out. But here is Peter, and he has the audacity to correct the Lord. Now, that took a lot of something. I don't say a, a not very spiritual, but he corrects the Lord Jesus Christ after declaring him to be the Messiah. And Peter says, God forbid, this is never going to happen. So he went from speaking on God's behalf to actually speaking for the adversary. He doesn't know that that's what he's doing, but he's actually becomes a mouthpiece for the devil. Uh, just in a few moments of time, and you know, I found this out, you can get out of kilter with the Lord. Uh, things can get out of tune pretty quick between you and the Lord uh, when you begin to get off course spiritually. And I want to preach tonight a little bit on when the spiritually blessed become a stumbling block. Now, he was preaching for God or speaking for God, but not now. He pulls the Lord aside when the Lord says some hard sayings to him, and he says, this is never going to happen. I thought, how quickly things can change. And a lot of times we think we're doing pretty good spiritually, and then how quick things can get us off course. Just let somebody pull out in front of us, and we can see how quickly that we can get the devil, at least in us, not possessed by the devil, but definitely being influenced by the adversary. And that's what happens in the life of Peter. Now, you've got all these other apostles that are watching, and uh, even the Lord Jesus Christ makes this statement here. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. That means that he has offended the Lord Jesus Christ, not offended him as somebody getting offended by the fact that I may wear something or do something. It's the fact of being a stumbling block. He said, you're actually a stumbling block to the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you this, I do not want to be a stumbling block to anybody. And I don't want to get in the way of any saint of God, but I sure do not want to be a stumbling block for God trying to do something in my life, in my family, in this church. And you ought to desire uh, to be somebody that is spiritually blessed and not become a stumbling block. The reason I said that tonight, because I, I hope we don't ever get to a place where we think that we've arrived and that we're all that and that God cannot do some work of improvement even in our life. I mean, uh, we're not e everybody in here. I hope we don't ever get the attitude where we think that we are where exactly we need to be with the Lord. In fact, the more you study the Bible and the longer you are saved, the more you will realize and appreciate the grace of God and the mercy of God and the long suffering of God that he puts up with us. Amen. Thank God for the, as Brother Don Green would say, he would say God gives us a lot of slack in the chain. And I appreciate the fact 
fact that he is very gentle and very long-suffering with every one of us. But with that said, we live a Christian life as a family. And people are watching us. And we belong one to another. Just look at your neighbor and say, you belong to me. Say it right now. You belong to me. All right. Now, if you say that to your wife, that's all right. You probably won't get by with it unless you just said it to one of your kids. All right. And so we belong one to another. The Bible said in Ephesians 4, 16, said from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplied according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. That means we have an effect one on another. That's why we need to be very, very careful. Uh, just because we're spiritually blessed does not mean that we cannot become a stumbling block when we begin to go against what the Lord Jesus Christ reveals unto us. We can't do our own thing. We just can't go out and do our own thing and it not have an impact on somebody else. We are epistles known and read of all men and we can be stumbling blocks to sinners when they see us maybe out in the world or doing something or going somewhere that we ought not be going that might bring a reproach upon Christ or reproach upon the church they will look at that but I tell you there are other believers that are watching you as well and watching us as well I want to thank God for some people that were on down the road spiritually when I first got saved by the grace of God and God put in my path thank God for a man of God a holy man of God that God has put in my path and that, that I was able to look at and emulate and call me what you want to, all right? I mean, listen, be imitators. That's exactly what it meant. And people say, well, you know, people try to be Brother Sammy Allen. Well, there'll never be another Brother Sammy Allen. But I'll tell you this, one time, you know, when I first started preaching, they said, well, there comes little Sammy and I didn't know no better. I said, thank you. I appreciate that, amen? I mean, what a great compliment to be associated with somebody like that. Uh, I'll never get to where he was, but I sure want to try to get there. Thank God for people that God has put in our path that are on down the road that we can look at that have not been a stumbling block. I think about what in the world would happen, Miss Jimmy, if we was to see you somewhere and you weren't dressed right and we was to see you somewhere and you weren't acting right and doing right, would that not be a stumbling block? I guess to everybody in here. And so I do not want to be a stumbling block to anybody. And we can't forget that what people think about us doesn't matter. I thought about just a couple of chapters later in chapter number 18 of the book of Matthew and verse number six, he said, but whoso shall offend one of these little ones. And again, that's not being offended by the fact that that my cologne's too strong or something like that. That means being a stumbling block. But whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Now, I know that there's two thoughts about that text, that the Lord is either speaking uh, of believing children or he's speaking to adults who believed upon him uh, that have childlike faith. But either way, it's not a good thing to be a stumbling block uh, to some else, whether it's a child or whether it's a child of God. And that means being a poor example, uh, particularly somebody who has a childlike faith or somebody that is new to Christianity or somebody that has just got saved. They're more inclined. I mean, they're just going to trust what you say. And they're more inclined to give great trust to the teachers and the preachers and the spiritual leadership that they have in their life. And I'll say this, lead the babes in Christ alone. I mean, if they, if they got higher standards 
standards, if they've got some things that they just say, you know what, you may do it, but I don't want to do it, leave them alone, amen? If they want to find somebody, if they say, look, I, I don't want to court somebody that's got social media, leave them alone. If you've got liberty to do that, if God would have you to do that, then you leave these ones alone that say, we don't want to do it. And you say, well, you know, why does it bother you if they don't want to do it, amen? I mean, leave them alone. If they've got higher standards, I like it myself. It's not going to bother me. We've got people in here in this church probably got higher standards than I've got on a couple things, and I'm like, praise God, amen? I'm not going to get upset at them. I'll salute them, and I'll stand with them, and yay, I'm not going to try, I'm not going to go out of my way to try to do anything that would be offensive to them. You say, why is that? Because I believe the Bible, and I do not want to be a stumbling block to anybody, amen? Now, you can read 1 Corinthians in chapter number eight when Paul's talking about going down and eating that meat offered unto idols. And uh, he said in verse number nine, but take heed lest by any means your liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see the which has knowledge, sit at the meat of the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols. And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Now listen, you don't have to be a Greek theologian to figure that out. He said, wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. You say, well, Brother Randy, that's just one-on-one. That's just one-on-one. Well, the book of Romans in chapter number 14 uh, says this, and we'll look and see what the apostle Paul uh, said about this. In the book of Romans, and that's in the New Testament, Romans 14 and verse Number 13, he said, let us not therefore, let us, let us not therefore judge one another more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus Christ that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not in charitably. He said, you're not walking in love. You're not loving them. You're not loving your neighbor as yourself. If you know that you're are doing something against them that is going to grieve them. He said, but if thy brother be grieved with, grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. We know all of that. Verse number uh, 18. For he that is in these things serveth Christ is acceptable unto God and approved to men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things where we with one may edify another. He said, for meat destroy not the work of God. He said, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh nor drink wine or anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself and that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat uh, because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is of sin. 
Amen. And I'll say this, it could happen to anybody and I think Peter is probably the most prime example that you can see that you can be used of God. You can have the blessing of God on your life, but you can also be a stumbling block. First of all, I want to look where the Lord gave a survey uh, to the believers. Now, not that he didn't know, but he begins to provoke a thought. He's talking to save people. He said, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? So he takes a survey. And again, he knows what's going on. And the survey says what? Survey says that these people have got some things going on in their mind and the Lord is asking a question to provoke them to thought. The four gospels contain about nearly 340 questions that the Lord Jesus Christ would ask. And those are questions that are asked by the Lord. Not asked to him, but asked by the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't ask questions because he didn't have the answer. He had a motive, and he had a motive of asking these questions. Now, if you have a question, you need to go to an expert. Amen. If you've got a question about, you know, whatever it is, you've got a question about uh, shooting deer or killing deer, don't ask me. Amen. I, I know I, I can tell you how much stuff costs, but that's about, that's about where it ends. These people in here that are expert in that. We'd be in bad shape. If I had to wire up this building, we didn't make sure we got good fire insurance. If it was up to me to wire up the building or do the plumbing or, or whatever. So I'm not an expert. We've got experts like that. So you need to go to an expert and ask about it. But we do need to take time to ask some questions. And if we're going to take time to ask one another questions, let us make sure that we're asking important questions. Jesus has an important question. He didn't ask where Cain got his wife. He didn't ask a lot of those questions, doting about with strife and asking questions that create confusion and, and uh, just make people kind of upset and get them turned the wrong way. Let us make sure we're not asking trivial questions and things that really don't matter. Asking questions really that nobody's got the answer to or asking a question that really not going to help anybody and not going to edify. The Lord asked questions a lot of times. He said, how many loads have you got? The Lord would ask encouraging questions. He told Mark he said, didn't I tell you? He said, told the crowd, said, where have you laid him? He knew exactly where they had laid him. He just wanted to show them something. He said, but whom say ye that I am? Now they had heard all the chatter and they said, well, some of you said, some uh, say that you are John the Baptist. And why would they say that Jesus is John the Baptist? Well, I believe it was because of his preaching. That he came in, I mean, listen, he, came, he began pointing fingers. He began preaching repentance. That'll get you in trouble today, but it's still right. And I believe that because John the Baptist preached repentance and Jesus preached repentance, they began to say, you know what? Some of them are saying that you aren't John the Baptist. And then this, they said, well, some of you say that you, that you are Elias or Elijah. And so maybe John the Baptist, because Jesus preaching reminded them of John the Baptist. Maybe Jesus praying reminded them of Elijah. Maybe it was Jesus' passion that reminded them of Jeremiah. And so he said, whom do, whom do you say? Whom the people say that I am? They said, John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But then he asked a question, whom do you say that I am? And then they said this, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter, and not only you see the survey from the believer, but you see the Savior's blessing. He said, and some say thou art John the Baptist or Elias or one of the others. 
Verse 16, and Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah. I tell you, if you want a blessing in your life, just realize Jesus is who he said that he is. Amen? And he is still God, and he is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you can get a spiritual blessing just really realizing that Jesus is the Savior, that he is the Christ, he is the Messiah. And so Peter's declaration here, he didn't get this from his own mind. God illuminated his mind. God cut the light on in his mind. He didn't eliminate his mind. He illuminated his mind. I remember that fellow stood up one time and said, brother, you pray for me. And he said, God, I want you to bless this man. And God, I want you to eliminate his mind. And when that fellow got done preaching, I said, well, God answered that prayer. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. But he said, eliminate his mind. No, what he did, what he meant is illuminate his mind. Cut the light on. And so he said, blessed art thou Simon Bar-Jonah. He said, Dr. Bottlestopper didn't show you this. And you didn't get this from some liberal theologian. He said, my father in heaven has revealed it unto you. That is a spiritual blessing. Thank God we know some things. If you are saved by the grace of God, you know some things. You know that Jesus is a savior and you know that he is coming again. And you know that the Bible is true. And you know that we have a hope beyond the grave. And you know some things. We know some things. This world does not know. And that is a blessing. That means happy are ye. Praise God, I'm happy about it. I may not know a lot of things, but I heard a preacher say one time, he say, I may not know a whole, whole lot. He said, but what I do know, I want to know it real good. And amen. Thank God I know tonight I'm saved. I know tonight I have the white, right Bible. I know to God, tonight, amen, I married the right spouse. Amen. Sometimes she might doubt it, but I don't doubt it. I thank God you can know some things. You can be spiritually blessed. And I know God is more concerned about us being holy, but I'm telling you, if your motive is right, if your motive for living a holy life is right, you will be happy, amen. He said, blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah. Thank God for the blessings. Everybody here tonight is a candidate for blessings, amen. Ephesians 1 and verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us all with, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Jesus blessed Peter. He said, God showed you this, and Peter meant the Lord's approval. I don't know about you, but I sure do want to meet God's approval. I know I may not, not always meet your approval, and and I'm not always going to meet man's approval. And I understand there'll be some times in my life where I'm not going to meet everybody's approval. But I'm telling you, at the end of the day, I do want to meet his approval. I do want him to look down and say, well, uh, you know, thank God for grace and mercy that the Lord bestows upon us. But I want to pillow my head and say, God, I've done what you would have me to do. And I, I've, listen, I've got to confess, got to get some things right. I want to be able to pillow my head and say, I've met the approval of God. Now, to be saved, the only way you're going to meet God's approval. It's to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. It's to do what God said, and that is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. That's how you get on God's good side, is you get saved by the grace of God. You get on God's good side by getting inside the Lord Jesus Christ. If you got Christ inside of you, and your motive is to glorify him and lift up Christ in your life and be a blessing, that's what Simon did. God said, I'm going to bless you, Simon, so you can be a blessing to somebody else. Thank God for being able to live a Christian life and be spiritually blessed, not just to hoard it up, but to be a blessing to somebody else. God was going to use this man. 
and people will be saved by the grace of God. I'm not so sure that when he went out and wept bitterly, I'm not so sure that he really got thoroughly right with God, if I can put it that way. But I'm telling you, John, the last chapter of John, I think he really got right with God. When Jesus said, lovest thou me more than these? And I mean, he asked him three times. He denied him three times. I don't know if that's all right, but it makes good preaching. Uh, but he, he blessed him. And then thank God, I, listen, I'm still blessed tonight. I mean, sometimes I'm stressed, and, but I am blessed tonight, amen? Thank God for the blessings to be saved by the grace of God. It still blesses me to know that God would come to a sinner and draw them with cords of love and save them and change them and satisfy them. And thank God put some happiness on the inside, take away all the sorrows of this world and put some joy on the inside. It still blesses me that God can save an old sinner, rescue their life from destruction, make life worth living. I mean, put the sun on the inside and let him shine, let him shine. I'm still blessed tonight that God saves those sinners. I am thrilled and amazed that God still loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. It still blesses me. Hey, listen, I still get a thrill when you talk about Calvary. I still get blessed when you talk about our old rugged cross. It still blesses me that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners, amen. What a blessing it is. It's a blessing to be saved. It's a, be, it's a blessing to know you're saved. And it is a blessing to serve the Lord and be used for God's honor and God's glory. He said, Peter, he said, you're being used to my father. He said, you got a divine revelation here. And he was going to use him again. He said in verse number 18, he used two words. He said, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. Now he said, Petros. He said, you're a little rock. If you won't put it this way, he, he's gonna be a stepping stone. He said, you're a little rock. He said, thou art Peter, but he speaks about himself. He said, but I am Petra. I'm the solid rock. He said, thou art Peter, you're a little rock. He said, but upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so he's not saying here that Peter was the first pope. And he's not saying that he was the founder of the Roman Catholic Church because Peter had a mother-in-law. Amen. I mean, listen, and they teach celibacy. And so we know he was not, he was, he was not of the first pope because we know he had a wife. And why in the world would you want a mother-in-law without the wife to go with it? Amen. To at least cancel a little bit of it out. Man. Amen. Jesus is a direct, directly addressing Hebrew people here when he says this. And they understand when he's talking about the rock in the Bible, you'll find it's never symbolically used for man. And these people knew that. I mean, they were, these were Hebrew people, Jewish people. They understood that the rock or the stone or the bedrock in the Bible never referred to man. It was always referring to God. First Samuel 2 and verse 2, he said, there's none. Well, actually, Hannah said to him, said, there's none holy as the Lord, for there's none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Isaiah 28 and verse 16, therefore thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation of stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. 
and listen, we know that we have the right structure because tonight the church is not built on an individual. I mean, listen, it's not built on some man that saw some vision out somewhere. It was not some man that found some tablets of stone out somewhere and seen this 90-foot Jesus. It's not founded on something like that. Christianity is founded on its founder, and that is the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. For the foundation can no man lay, that that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Thank God for the solid foundation that we have. And he said, Peter, I am going to use you in the church. Hey, praise God for being able to be used in the church. And you don't have to be a preacher to be used in the church. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher. You don't have to be a deacon. All you got to do is be saved. If you are saved, you can be used in this church. You say, preacher, I'm not doing any good. I'm not being used of God. Well, I tell you, it helps me to look out there and see somebody. You say, what does that help you? Why does that help you? Because I remember when we had live stream services when there wasn't nobody here. And I'm telling you what, when you're preaching, uh, poor old Finney, I, I guess he, Finney was up there running the sound and Hannah was here and they was about the only two people in the building and I just really got tired of preaching to Finney. I mean, Finney was right with God and preaching to Hannah, there ain't no way she's gonna get right with God. I didn't have enough time to, to even preach to her. But she came in and she preached, she, she, well, no, she played I preached. See, it was so bad during that time. We didn't know where we was coming or going. And I'd preach to Finney and I'd preach to Hannah and I preached a bunch of empty pews. There wasn't nobody in here. Thank God for people, amen, in the house of God that I can just look through here and see some people to preach to. Amen, that nod their head. Uh, that act like, that at least act like that you like what's going on around here. It helps me to be able to look out through there. It helps me to look up in the choir. Some of y'all ain't never testified in the choir, but you don't have to if you don't want to. I'm just saying it helps me when I look up there and you're smiling from ear to ear and it looks like somebody stuck a coat hanger in your mouth. I mean, it looks like you've had some kind of surgery like they have in Hollywood. I mean, listen, I'm talking about grinning from ear to ear. That helps me, amen. That is a blessing to me. You don't have to be a preacher to be a blessing to somebody. Amen, Miss Darlene, I wouldn't, I wouldn't embarrass you for nothing in this world. But this morning, I looked back there and she was wiping tears. I mean, you could tell God was blessing her and helping her. Hey, it blessed me to watch God bless her. You can be a blessing in the house of God. Amen, everybody can. But not only... You be a blessing, sometimes you can be a stumbling block. Peter shows this in the text. You say, how did this happen or why would this happen? I believe that's where we, this is where we are in our society today. Verse 21, from that time forth, Jesus said, all right, Peter, you got it. God has showed you something. And he said, now I'm gonna show you something else that you're not gonna like. I like the blessings. I love the blessings. I enjoy it. Hey, I love church, amen. I love preaching. I love getting to preach and I love hearing good preaching, amen. I mean, I really do. And I get blessings out of that. I get blessings from coming to church. But look what Jesus says. He said, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem. Yay, hallelujah, holy city. We're going in there to Jerusalem. And how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders, chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Verse 22, then Peter took him. That means more than likely Peter took him aside. Now, wait a minute, Lord. Now, all these people, you're gonna be a stumbling block of these folks. 
you're, you're, you've, just, you've just gave me an A plus and you've just said, you're right, Peter. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. And everything was going good. Going into Jerusalem was even good. But then the Lord said, Peter, it's not going to be like you think. It's going to involve suffering. Everything was good. It was shouting out. I mean, it was glory time, but then there was a surprise. Peter had just heard from heaven, amen. Uh, Jesus tells him after that, this is not gonna be like you think. I think Peter's motive was pure. I really do. I do not think Peter uh, by any means got indwelt by the adversary, but I do believe he got influenced by the adversary because no doubt, I mean, listen, why would the Lord mention this? And I think this, just stay with me here. He mentions the elders and he mentions the chief priests and the scribes. Now, you're, again, you're talking about Jewish people. And you're talking about Jesus confessing himself to be the Messiah. He is the Christ. Well, they knew all about that. And they said, hey, the first thing we gotta do, we gotta get all the religious people together. We gotta get all the elders. We gotta get all the religious people together because surely if we're gonna do this endeavor, somehow the Lord is gonna make a pact with all these leaders. And we're gonna get the backing of all these religious leaders behind us. And we're gonna get these Jewish leaders. We're gonna get the people of religion behind us and that's how we're gonna overthrow this Roman oppressor. That's how we're going to set up the kingdom. And Jesus said, wait just a second, Peter. There's going to be some things that's gonna happen that's gonna involve suffering and it's gonna involve cutting some ties with some individuals. He said, let's get the cooperation from all the religious leaders. Let's bring peace, just like the prophet said. <laughs> let's set up the kingdom and do great things for God. Somebody said this, said it's a grand error for persons to think that they are out of danger from the devil and a corrupt, deceitful heart, even in their highest flights and most raised frames of spiritual joy. I'm gonna read that again. It is a grand error for persons to think they are out of danger from the devil and a corrupt, deceitful heart even in their highest flights and most raised frames of spiritual joy. That's where Peter goes. Peter is up high and the Lord said, listen, there's gonna be some suffering involved. And, and uh, Peter didn't, he, he didn't say, well, I'm doing my own thing. And he didn't say, Peter didn't say this, okay, devil, I tell you what, I've been used of God. Let me see if you can use me. We know, of course, he did not say that. He did not wanna be used of the devil. He wanted to be used of God. Peter didn't have to set his mind on the things of the devil to be used of the devil. All he did was set his mind on things below and begin to think like men think. Look at your Bible. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him saying, Lord, be it far from thee, verse 23. But he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of men. Do you know what men, men don't want to be offensive to nobody. And men don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. And I'll be honest with you, I don't want to be labeled as a church as somebody that's off their rocker. Churches don't want to appear weird. I don't want to be a weird church. I mean, I really don't. 
I don't want somebody, I, I don't want somebody coming in here that's moved in here from uh, Minnesota or Michigan or, or something like that. I mean, no offense, Brother Clark, but I don't want somebody coming in here from Pennsylvania or I don't want somebody coming here from up north and say, man, these guys are weird down here. What are the, what, I don't understand all that. I understand that we're gonna be labeled anyhow. And I understand that people are gonna think we're radical, but I don't want a church. I don't want a name like that. Well, you know, you go down there, you're liable to get run over, you're liable to, I mean, then people down there are nuts, they're crazy, they're wacky. And so I think a lot of churches, innocently, innocently, I think people are really trying to help people. I think sometimes what we want to do, I guess people have been trying to help by soften the blow. Maybe it is. Maybe not be so radical about some things. But I'm telling you how it's going to fix things. God desires us to ground our life in his truth. And the only way to overcome falsehood, the only way to overthrow lies is with truth. That is the only way. It's not let's get everybody together and let's everybody get along. That is not what Jesus taught in his word. Matthew in chapter number 10, here's what the Lord said in verse 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth me after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life Life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. What he's saying here is there's going to be a division. And I'll say this, not all pastors in the modern churches, I don't think all of them are lost. I mean, I know a lot of people say, well, they're apostates. Well, you don't know that, and I don't know that. We don't know. And I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I really am. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't think all of them are lost. 